Hello, welcome to Between the Mountains podcast with me, Chris, where we talk about your adventures from backpacking to expeditions. Today, we've got Peter on the podcast, and he's going to have a chat with us about his time, this 14-day itinerary, kayaking through the Grand Canyon. And previous guest James recommended to get in touch with him, and I did, and he did not disappoint. It's full of incredible anecdotes, sleeping under the stars every night, 14 rapids a day. I hope you enjoy it. If you do, subscribe, follow, share it with a friend too. But otherwise, let's get straight into it. So hello, Peter. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? Yeah, I'm really well. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, well, thanks. Thanks for coming on as well. You've got quite an, an epic and interesting story to tell. So it, it's it's worth to summarise wake up call for me on my end because you're you're coming all the way from it says Tasmania on Skype, but I don't know. Is it just Melbourne? No, it's not Melbourne. It's Hobart in Tasmania. So nice. Skype's quite active. We've got um, I've got a friend who did a, a van life trip across uh, across Australia. And he absolutely loved Tasmania. Yeah, well, if he's English, that's probably not surprising. That, that a lot of the, depending on time of year, but a, a lot of um, a lot of the countryside is English-like. Um, so he probably felt very familiar when he was in Tassie. Yeah, yeah, but it, it seems to be beautiful either way. I definitely want to get there myself too. But um, today we're not talking about Tasmania we're talking about the Grand Canyon which is kind of fascinating so you you did a, a kayaking trip there right I did yep to just over two years ago nice. um, so we were just talking about some of the details before we hit record and, and it was yep. one of those times where I was just I was just anxious to hit record because it was just <laughs> a lot so much already good information so how long is the trip in total uh, well, the section that's normally paddled, if you do the full trip, is about 200 kilometres. Um, and you're on the Grand Canyon between two dams. Um, the, the big one at the bottom is, is the Edgar Hoover Dam. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's about a 14-day trip. Uh, so as a, it's a white water, obviously big white water uh, canoeing trip, kayaking trip for me, and about 200 rapids. So, you know, over that 14 days. Jeez. <laughs> that sounds epic. So, I mean, as far as kayaking goes for you, what what got you into kayaking? Have you always been a fan of it, or was this a spur-of-the-moment thing? Because I, I think oh, I read somewhere that you have to have a minimum class. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I've been a, a, a paddler all my life. Um in fact, uh, I started, I mean, I just turned 60 or so. What was I when I was 58 when I did the trip? Um, but I learned to paddle at school um, and it was really slalom canoeing, um, which I've spent most of my life doing. Uh, so competitive uh, whitewater uh, in, in slalom boats. Um, and so I did that all through my teenage years Um and then in my early 20s, I was competing for Australia internationally. Uh, so I spent a lot of time in Europe and even some time in England and, wow. and in America. Um, so, you know, I was mostly on slalom courses or training in slalom and, and competing. I, I, I finished my, my competition career when I was 32. I competed at the 92 Olympics at Barcelona. So 
that was sort of the end of my competitive life. And since then, I've done a lot of coaching and a lot of, you know, sort of club-based activities with kayaking. And I moved to Tasmania because um, I grew up in Melbourne and, and there's not a lot of white water in Melbourne. And Tasmania's got quite a lot of white water. And so I was very passionate to do well internationally and it was the best place to live in Australia um, where you could also work and go to uni. So I mm. did that in my early 20s, well, not early 20s, mid, I came down here when I was 26 actually, yeah, because I, I really was getting frustrated with my progress. Um, and there's a lot of recreational kayaking done in Tasmania because there's a lot of natural rivers and, and we also have a lot of hydroelectricity uh, so what that means is that there are dams on the rivers, but when the power company is generating electricity, there's water flowing into the river. Um, and that's the same with the Colorado. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's controlled. Mm. Uh, so you, you know, you know that there are seasons of water flow. Um, and then the, the guiding company that we went with, um they they are in close contact with the authorities that generate the electricity and then of course they watch the weather because there's quite a lot of side canyons that come in to the grand canyon and um the weather patterns there are, are quite um stormy so you can have localized and quite heavy rainfall uh but not in the grand canyon up you know off to like might be 30 50 kilometers away but but that water will flow down on the side canyons and actually uh, put a lot more more water into the river. Oh wow! So that far away still affects it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's pretty normal in a you know natural environment. Um, it's just yeah. so happens that country uh, in the US. Um, I'm not too sure. I don't. It's not tropical, but it's um, you know localized and stormy. And I guess. I mean, when you're there in May, it's early summer. Um, so, you know, and it gets very hot, the, the, the desert. Um, so they, they have a lot of localised weather patterns. Um, I don't I don't know, fully understand the, the, how that all works. But suffice to say that, you know, you can be in the, in the Grand Canyon and it's a hot, sunny day and then there'll be, you'll come in, to, you'll, you'll paddle down and there'll be a side canyon come in and, and it's got a lot of water in it, even though it hasn't rained. For a few days, and the, all that makes for quite epic, um, just fantastic, adventurous kayaking, I suppose. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, um, the, the, this this river trip is iconic in the world. It's probably amongst uh, whitewater kayakers. It, it, it's probably it's a bit like the Everest of of. Um, uh, whitewater kayaking. Um, it, it's it's iconic because um, because it's big water. Um, it, it is pretty safe if you're a competent paddler, um, but it, it's just awesome the the place that you're in um, and and the water that you're on. Uh, and you know if you it, we I mean we did a fully supported trip so. Was a bit like an armchair ride down the canyon, really, because you know we had seven guides and they had you know a fully, fully uh, functioning uh, 
camp kitchen, you know, which was all, you know, transported in, in rafts with us. So, so, you know, it was made very easy. Some people do it, you know, more hard-nosed. So they, they'll tackle most of it or all of it um, sort of self-supported. Um, mm. But it's just iconic. It's, it's just an extremely uh, different environment to be in and, and it's got incredible natural beauty um, and it's awesome whitewater, so it's a heap of fun. Yeah, I mean, com- your your comment there is a completely different environment. And even just, I'm not a kayaker, so I'm 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 not talking from an expert point of view here. But I've I've done kayaking, and I see a lot of it in the UK too. And just that there yeah, mentioned environment is is just drastically different to what I imagine as sort of a bit dirty rivers going down and some trees overhead, which is the UK. Um, yeah. So yeah. And it ticks a national park off your list as well, I suppose, in America. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. It's you know, it's all high, highly regulated now because um, you know, and the guide companies they're very proud of the way they look after the canyon because they know that it's a unique environment. Um, so the number of people that are allowed to go into the canyon is regulated. So it's actually very hard to even get onto the river. Um, you have to get a, a pass and um, you have to usually book that several years ahead um, wow. to even just get get in there. Um, you know, and they're doing that for good reason, um, protecting the, the environment and making checking on, you know, uh, that nothing's getting degraded. And, and, and yeah, so, you know, it, it's, it's really just um it was one of those opportunities you know i i'd I'd watched movies when i was first paddling as a teenager um of the grand canyon and and um not so much kayakers the the first movie that was made uh is actually what are called canyon dories which are they're little um wooden boats that are rowed down um so it, it, the, the Grand Canyon, because it's so deep and you're not crashing into rocks, yeah. you can take you can take craft down in you know, a different sorts of boats. And these canyon dories, yeah, they're they're quite extraordinary. You know, people sit in the middle of them with two big oars and manoeuvre them down. You know, in the white water and the canyon dories and rafting, of course. And so I watched this as a teenager, and I've always been very aware of it. And I'd count, you know, every couple of years I'd talk to someone who'd done a trip and, you know, and they just always raved about it and it's just iconic. And and um, so, yeah, the opportunity came up and my, my hand went up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and naturally it would with the history you have with it. So so let's say uh, if someone's listening to the show and, and they want to do this trip, I thought it would be really interesting to chat through the itinerary of the trip, sort of highlight by highlight, uh, right from arriving, getting your kit sorted, what kind of kit are you bringing, all the way through right to that end end last moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we we used a one of the companies that um, uh, does these trips. They host, you know, and take you down. Um, am I allowed to use names here? Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. Their names, their names, um, Outdoor Adventures. Um, 
And and they so they had there were seven guides and twenty in our group, ten in kayaks and ten on rafts. So those that were on rafts were guided with a guide. You know, he the, the guide was guiding the raft, and yeah, each raft there was like I guess what five or six passengers. You can also take a raft yourself. Um, you know, if you've done a little bit of rafting and you you also hire a raft guide you know you can sort of be more active in the whole process of actually paddling the raft down the canyon um and yeah so that half of our group were were on a raft and the other half of us were in kayaks and um we had seven guides um so i mean the logistics of it were firstly to join the group um which was a what well, I think it was called a private group. So we booked, or the 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 person, the lead person in our of our twenty, um, booked a trip with the company, um, and specified the number of people, and then the person who was leading our group then went and recruited, uh, you know, friends that uh, might want to go on the trip. I think I think the company also can arrange. For different disparate people from you know different areas to you know go get into a group and then off they go. Um, uh, so just just cutting in here then. So so this was your own group of twenty. Yes. Right. Okay. Because I was going to ask about how you got on with the team dynamics, which is yes. I suppose that a question to ask. But there are a lot well, of companies, a bit like Much Better Adventures, who you can sign up just yourself, and they will also have other people sign into the same group. That's right. Yes. So I guess our leader, our our the member of our group who was leading us, um, he fairly carefully thought about who who, who he would invite. Um, yeah. So I mean, he was in charge. It was really his role. Well, it wasn't in charge. He he was the one who who took the risk on it and um, recruited people. And so you know, he tended yeah. to pick pick people or ask people who were familiar with outdoor adventuring, doing trips, doing trips in groups. Um, uh, so, yeah, we were sort of selected a little bit. I mean, having said that, of the 20 people, there were probably eight that I'd never met. So, you know, there was uh, – the, the group dynamic was good. Um, we were, you know, not dissimilar in age, so we were we, – um, mid middle midlife people really mid to i think the youngest was probably late 30s um up to, knowing what you're doing then ideally yeah 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 we're in our group that's right uh, look I, I don't know how the other groups work where you don't yeah. know the members but for sure that would be an important part of you know doing a, a trip um but look at you know, the, the logistics were um, a bit more complicated because we needed to arrange our own kayaks um, and they we actually bought them from a company in America and they delivered them to the, to the start of the river trip. Uh, there was about five of us who did this. Um, so our, our kayaking gear was there, um, whereas the rafting people... They, do any of that they just needed to turn up uh, mind you the way to turn up is to you fly to las vegas 
years. And then you take a light plane, um, a small plane of, uh, what, 10, 12 people. Yeah. Uh, and then you fly, uh, it's about, a, I think, about a 40-minute trip from Las Vegas on a small plane. And it's terrific because you, you get to fly quite low and over the Grand Canyon as you, so over the bottom dam and then up, up the, the canyon. And then you land in a very small settlement um, at the top of the uh, the canyon, which is where you start the trip. Wow. So <laughs> that's so we, stunning. You know, yeah, yeah, it is. It's it's you know it's a, just a classic adventure, really, because you you know you're full of anticipation and um, some hesitations, and yeah. you know as you sort of you know, ponder the trip, which you're about to do. So we we all arrived on one day. We were briefed that evening and then we got on the river the next day, that, uh, you know, in the morning. Uh, and then off we went. Um, seven rafts, seven guides, ten paddlers and ten raft passengers. Wow. What an amazing group. I mean, your mindset going into this, were you just, just full of excitement or were there some things that you were concerned about going into it? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, in fact, I'm, I'm actually more of a canoe paddler than a kayak paddler. So, okay. and I was, I was going to do the canyon in a kayak. Uh, in canoes, you're kneeling. So, you know, that's okay for an hour or so, but not for four or five or six hours. Um, so... Uh, my kayaking skills have never been as good as my canoe skills. Um, so, I, yeah, I needed to train. Um, and I, I also, I, I wanted to, to be able to, you know, tackle it well. So I trained in in, uh, in kayak. I had to get my rolling skills up to speed. Um, so, you know, I went to the swimming pool, I think, uh, yeah, maybe that was the previous winter here. Uh, you know, I was, I was doing lots of rolling and, just you know trying to get more confident with rolling and um and then just spent time in the boat uh spending so my concerns were would i have the skills you know i certainly didn't have i knew i didn't have the skills that i had 30 years earlier so um but it you know it, it does come back to you and once you get practicing and training and you get a little bit more fitness and strength and the mind remembers uh you just have to be, and look to be honest you can a lot of the grand canyon is deep fast moving flat water so you know that's the I, I knew i'd be fine on that and i knew i'd be fine on probably 70 80 percent of the rapids uh i knew that i would be right at the edge of my skill level with probably 20 percent of them um and yeah but that was okay i knew it was safe you know the worst thing i can happen is I flip over, I don't roll, and I swim out of my boat. Um, you know, I've, I'm well set up. I've got life jacket on. I, I've got rafts around me, other paddlers uh, who have got a lot of experience. So, And we did have a couple of people who did swim on a few rapids. Um, but we're talking, you know, these the wave chains on these rapids are uh, two, three, four metres sometimes and crashing waves too. So... You know, you're paddling oh, wow. through and they just, like, collapse, you know, the top of the wave just sort of collapses forward and, and onto you. Um, so it's quite unpredictable water. Uh, <laughs> and That's on crazy. Some, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, it's it is crazy. It, it's fairly safe. Um, yeah, but it's um, you know, unlike rock climbing, where you know the the potential for um, catastrophic event is probably much greater. Well, less likely, but the implications um, are more more significant. The I consequences think. are worse, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So. I mean, one of the some of the funny things that happen is these, the volume of this water, you know, roars down the river, and in some of the eddies there are whirlpools, and so you can be in your kayak and you just get eaten up by a whirlpool. Slushy, <laughs> <laughs> and you end up sort of a, you know a meter under the water, you know, like spinning around and just looking up at the surface, thinking, "Oh, that's interesting," and. and <laughs> And it sort of you know it spits you out and then you're fine, but <laughs> it's a bit disconcerting. <laughs> and it's crazy as well. Wait, wait, while you're saying this, it, it it gets me excited to to consider doing it as well because it's it's you know the alternative is you know for for a non-adventure holiday to spend your hard-working money on sitting by a pool in Greece or something. So it's 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 always nice hearing about these sort of things. I think if you know if you're if you're like you must be a you know an outdoor adventure person, I, I definitely if you're going to put it on your bucket list and you're not familiar with white water, um, the way to probably start would be to go rafting um, and and perhaps learn a little bit of easy um, white water paddling. You know, are you in London, Chris? I'm near London. Yeah, so about, the Lee, about an hour and a half, two hours away. Yeah, yeah. Do you know the Lee Valley um, course north of London? Uh, not off the top of my head. No, um, we've always been not of the very little I've done. It's always been more Wales way because I'm sort of equidistant between Wales and London. But but go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so the way for you to do it would be to um, do some rafting at the Lee Valley um, Whitewater Centre, which is. Well, I guess it's Lever. What's the name of the suburb? I, I, it's north of London. It's where the Olympic uh, slalom competition was held for the London Olympics. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and it's got really big white water on it. But you can go raft, commercial rafting, and you know, if you've got two or three people that you might want to do the canyon with, you could you could get familiar with rafting. You could also learn white water kayaking skills there. Uh, you can do that at other places in England as well. But if you really want to get a, feel for crashing waves and being in a raft um yeah doing a, a some commercial rafting at lee valley is a good way for an english person to do it um so yeah the the because because paddling you know the, the way i did requires pretty high level skill um and a fair bit of experience it's not something you can acquire quickly um but you don't have to do it in a kayak. If you did want to do it in a kayak, you just need to dedicate, you know, a couple of years to to to, to your skill level. Yeah. Um, we had a we had a paddler on our course, on our trip. Sorry, we had two actually, um, who were not super skilled paddlers, but they'd been paddling. Actually, one lady who was in her late thirties, she. She was had only been paddling, I think, for about three years, three, maybe four. But, you know, she was pretty enthusiastic. And so she'd done quite a lot. She was good at rolling. She'd done some river trips. Um, 
So if you were really taken by the idea of actually kayaking, and she was an adult learner as well, um, which is not easy in whitewater kayaking, um, mostly because of the risk and the sense of fear that you often have. Um, mm. Yeah, but taking up kayaking in England would work, you know, if you took up whitewater kayaking and, and then spent some time at Lee Valley and, and actually joined a group, you know, who were learning and then did the canyon. As long as your role was good uh, and you'd experienced some, you know, significant rapids, which Lee Valley is, it's a quite a big whitewater course. Yeah. Um, there you go. So, Chris, you go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Will do. Uh, watch the space. <laughs> watch the space. So we've we arrived at the Grand Canyon with this stunning aeroplane ride, uh, and we're feeling mostly excited. <laughs> um, just quickly, what are some of the highlights while you're while you're setting off along the trip from start to finish? What What are some of the highlights of the trip? Yeah, so so right right from the moment where your kit's ready and you're in you're in the kayak, all the way through to the end yeah. of the trip, just sort of chronologically. Yeah, so on the water, um, the kayakers, ten of us, we actually had kayaking guides as well, and these were two um, older American but very experienced. I think they they I think actually one of them had paddled the Grand Canyon like one hundred times or, or close to that like so this person knew every rapid like the back yeah. of her hand uh and so there was two of them her and her partner um so when you're in a kayak and you're <laughs> just fast moving flat water what you hear first is a roar like this you can hear the white water like the noise sort of echoes up the valley and so you know you you sort of hear the roar of the rapid and and you you know you sort of sit up a bit higher in your boat and you sort of pay attention and you wake up and you think right okay here we go and so as you approach the top of the rapid it's like a horizon line you know you can't actually see the rapid because it's it's disappearing away and and down the river and and it's disappearing from view so you, you head into the top of the rapid and what, what we typically would do is pull over and next on the bank or next to the bank. Sometimes we would get out and actually look at the rapid from the bank. But the guides, because they knew it so well, they would, they would typically say, look, this rapid, it's straightforward. There's a really big hole that you want to avoid on the left side about halfway down. So we're going to head down the middle at the top and then we're going to move towards the right. And then it's just a really fabulous wave chain at the bottom, you know, pretty straightforward. Um, so if that was the sort of briefing, if you like, um, that was pretty reassuring. You know, I was confident that I could manage that. Um, and then there were some rapids where... Um, there was a lot more technical, you know, it was a lot more involved. Like Lava Falls is probably the iconic rapid on, on the, on the uh, canyon. And it's a big rapid. It's a long rapid. Uh, we got out. We spent probably an hour looking at it beforehand from the, from the riverbank looking. So we'd walk down the riverbank and look at the rapid. And oh, you'd, wow. teach, you'd work out what line you were going to take down the rapid. Um, you know, you you know, you could see you, you needed to 
paddle close to the middle next to a, a hole but you didn't want to go in the hole and then you needed to move left and then you needed to come back right. So there was all the – that's a typical, you know, and you're doing, um, what, uh, 10, 10 of those, 10, maybe 15 of those a day. Um, I mean, half of them are straightforward and easy. Um Mind you, sometimes the guides would just say, no, this is straightforward, just down the middle, and you go down the rapid and you think, oh, my God, these waves are huge, you know. <laughs> and they're crunching on you and, and you know. <laughs> so what, what they were essentially saying is it doesn't really matter where you go. It's all much the same. It's pretty big, but um, you'll be fine, they'd say. <laughs> yeah. So off we'd go. Um, and then we, we the guides would go first normally um, and, and they would, so you could sort of you'd let them get about oh, probably thirty meters ahead of you, and you'd have about twenty thirty meters between paddlers, because you could sort of, as you're paddling down, you're looking like immediately ahead of you, like within the the gap between you and the next paddler, but you're also scanning way ahead to sort of get a, the lay of the land. You know, am I try am I meant to be moving left or right or straight ahead? And you know, so if you see a paddler. 50 metres ahead, get into trouble, you know, you sort of, you, you take action and, and you know, head, up, head in another direction. Yeah. <laughs> um, Use their lesson. <laughs> yeah. So that, I mean, that was that, well, that's what it was like during the day. Look, sometimes we'd stop, the, you know, we'd stop for morning tea and lunch and afternoon tea and, and then, of course, uh, camp. We'd get to camp about four o'clock. Um, but sometimes we would do side walks. So we'd stop uh, for a couple of hours and walk up a side camp. And, you know, just because of the incredible, like there'd be waterfalls and textured rocks and, um, you know, literally just very fascinating. Ge if you're a geologist, if you're an outdoor person who's got an interest in geology, it, it's probably, you know, probably one of the most fascinating extraordinary places to be just because you see hundreds of millions of years of history of the earth um yeah you know as you're going down one of the things that's really fascinating is you get in at the top on day one and the the the, the river is flowing in a like a, a, a what would you you know like a, a like a small gully if you like and yeah. and but it's got it's sort of got layers of rock and and different uh textures in it and then you notice like four hours later that those same layers that were sort of two meters above you they're now 50 meters above you and then later in the day they're 150 meters above you so i think by the time you've finished i think you're about a kilometre or a bit over a thousand metres lower, if that makes sense. So yeah. the rivers cut, uh, you know, a gorge, a canyon um, that's a kilometre deep, and you can't even see those first layers that you were paddling past on day one because they are now a kilometre up and a kilometre out to the side, you know, that. So yeah. the canyon's opened right up as you go in. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. That's lovely. Yeah, it's, it is. It's oh, they're just you know the rock. I mean, I'm not a geologist, but I do remember there's a there's a section uh, or a rock type, a 
um, I think it's it, it's a, like it's a, a marble rock, and because the water's got fine grains of sand in it, the sand polishes these these rocks. So you're paddling along and it's often, you know, quite loose and crumbly, but then you'll come across for a few kilometres, there'll be this uh, jet black but highly polished and shiny uh, rock that's that's sort of, you know, at river level and going up maybe 10 metres. Oh, wow. So there's all, all sorts of, you know, weird stuff like that that, and, you know, extraordinary i mean it's I, i'm the same as you I, i'm not a geology in fact the, the closest i get is that bad pun geology rocks but um I, i'm i'm the same like like i just i just love looking at rock formations i, I used to have some big books of, of them of it as a kid so yeah they, i don't know what i'm looking at but i know it's stunning <laughs> if that makes sense yeah yeah no and Look, to be honest, I when I first got on the river, um, it's so different. So if I close if if I close my eyes and, and someone says, "Look, just imagine in your mind the most beautiful natural environment that you can imagine," I would mm. generally I would think of like forest, trees, plant life, um, yeah, right, mountain. Yeah. But but this is not that at all. It's, it's there is no there's there there is plant life along the river edge, but not much. So you're actually yeah. paddling in rock garden, um, yeah. but it's the most ordinary rock garden. Um, so it actually took me a couple of days to even to just feel comfortable that with the natural beauty that's that's there. Uh, but it is very different to, I think, what a lot of people would think is natural beauty. Um, yeah, because you could look at it and say, "Oh, that's that's harsh and it's uh, it's it's hard and 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 not necessarily uh, hot, you know, got natural beauty." But it but it does, and it just and it grows on you. That's the other thing. There, look, the enormity of it. You know, the the oranges and reds and uh, lighter sandy colors you know in the black polished black and um, and just understanding how much time it's taken as well i think i imagine it might give you the same effect that mountains have on other people which is just that perspective and you're thinking about how you know you think about yourself and, and your, yourself as a person with with the problems and you know, tribulations you, you face and then you look at these these things and they've just been there for millions and millions of years and, and you I know I get the same effect with mountains where I just sort of sit back and I think actually everything's okay. Like this is really a really small issue. Yeah, yeah. It's um, a bit like when you th I, I I like to think of the history of well, the history of the Earth. Uh, like there's a great analogy that uses um, one calendar year. Um, you know that on the first of January, the Earth, the Big Bang occurred, and and then. Uh, you know, until uh, nothing much happened until about June, or nothing much, as in yeah, yeah like, otherwise, a lot happened, of course. Um, but yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think living organisms turn up. I don't know in September, and then uh, I think you know dinosaurs maybe in 
in the middle of November and mankind appears, you know, at lunchtime on December the 10th or something. Or, oh, no, I actually, no, it's later than that, I think. It's, yeah. it's like probably Christmas Day. And then, yeah, so, <laughs> and actually, no, I think it's even smaller, isn't it? Maybe, you know, maybe mankind turns up on December 31st at, at you know, 10, 10, 10 a.m., it's something, it's really bizarre, but I reckon the Grand Canyon probably was formed, you know, in that timeline, probably in, you know, May or June. <laughs> I'm going to put, um, I'll just hear, listeners, if I have found it, it will be in the description. Now I'm going to try and find that, because um, yeah. I've heard of it too. I'm going to try and find yeah. that history of uh, the universe as a calendar. Um, yeah. I'm going to try and find it. If it's in the show notes, <laughs> then you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible um, in terms of other highlights i think uh sleeping out under the stars um you know because wow. it's a clear there's no city lights so it's a it's it's a it's a star show every night um and and just that's just just going off to sleep you know uh i mean we lie on just bed bed mats you don't it's pretty warm so you, we do have sleeping bags but you know they're light um and yeah and you just you can you know that you see you see everything of course you know satellites mm. and shooting stars and but because it's so there's no uh, city backlight um or it it's it's a star show and um i think that wow. that's definitely that was a highlight for me um and uh, look the 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 uh, camping you know pretty well organized we we're lucky we we had these guys prepare great meals, um, and it was very social. You know, we'd sit around, we'd have a fire, we'd um, uh, uh, we'd have a meal. We, we usually we were so exhausted, we'd be, we were asleep pretty early. Uh, I think I think we were up at six in the morning though, so then we'd leave camp at eight o'clock. Um, wow! So pretty healthy, actually. You know, yeah, like it's a nice get up. Yeah. Yeah, so that that'd be you know that that would be another highlight. Um, I mean, was there a particular favourite moment of the trip at all, or, or, or was there a moment that was uh, one of the rapids, many rapids that you would do each day that that you were just so satisfied with when you'd gone through it? Um, probably, probably not one rapid, but as time goes by, your confidence grows, um, mm. in, and I guess. When you're when you'd head into one of these rapids and you could scan way ahead and you could see oh this is okay there's nothing nothing too de demanding technically uh, you could just relax into the fun of the whole thing you know where you yeah. you know you're playing on the waves a little bit and and you know but but you're travelling up and down like a few meters on each wave and yeah I think. Those times, and that was probably more in the second half of the trip. But I have you probably have one of those or oh, a few of those sort of um, experiences every day. Um, I mean, half the rapids were very straightforward, the other half were more demanding, and some of them very demanding. So, yeah, it was always nice to. Uh, to manage the technical demand and, and the satisfaction you had, you know, getting through a rapid yeah. that's quite big. 
and then all the stories, of course, that you spin afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Bragging rights. <laughs> yeah. So um, the, the other oh, weird thing was um, coming, you know, 14 days doing that. Uh, and then we were picked up by a boat which took us very quickly across the bottom dam to our bus. <laughs> and then a, oh, I think an hour and a half bus drive into the centre of Las Vegas. So, you know, check into the hotel in Las Vegas. And it's like, it's such a, um, like an absurd um, contrast to, to, you know, on one day be in the Grand Canyon and the next day to be in, well, I don't know what you call Las Vegas, but Western civilizations. Um, Most uh, neon. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's like, it's just, it's full of, everything that the Grand Canyon isn't. Uh, yeah. So, you know, to be honest, we went out and walked around and we just, uh, we, we, we just weren't there, you know. Um, we couldn't, yeah, I couldn't buy something to go back to. Yeah, I mean, a lot of what goes on in Las Vegas is a heap of fun. There's a lot of shows and, and things, but um, when you've just come off 14 days in, you know, in that, you, it's a bit of a shock. It was a... Um, Something I, I well, we're only there for two days, so didn't really get used to it before coming home. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's, before we go into some wrap-up questions, is there anything else we need to know about kayaking in the Grand Canyon? <laughs> uh, well, not that I can think of. No, I mean that I've probably described everything that I can remember. Um, yeah, it's significant. Um, yeah, that's perfect. So I've only got three, really, which is first one is, is what's one thing that surprised you the most about doing the trip? Yeah, uh, the, the natural beauty that took me three days to get used to. Mm. Um, the, oh, the water is icy cold, so the air can be stinking hot, you know, like yeah. uh, 35 degrees celsius and and the waters um yeah i think look i think the water was probably um 12 13 degrees celsius maybe even colder yeah Yeah, so (laughs) so when these yeah yeah no that was that was surprising um yeah i mean there's lots of things yeah I, i did i have expectations maybe um I think um, one thing that surprised me is how many people, uh, how many careless tourists die from getting too close to the rim and the edge at the top of the canyon. You know, we, we I mean, we didn't see those people. We saw one obs- one observation tower, but, yeah, there's quite a few people, it's bizarre, um, who fall into the Grand Canyon. Oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah, which is sort of, that was surprising. I thought, oh, man, really? But anyway. Well, it's uh, weird that you say that because yesterday I was, just, I was listening to um, the Amateur Traveller podcast and it was on an episode of Turkmenistan and they have that flaming, uh, you know, the, the natural gas is coming up the ground that they set fire to and it's still burning. Uh, yeah. One of those uh, flame rings. And, and he said that the, the guide has said no one has ever fallen in. 
uh, to this pit um, that they just say to stand three feet away from the edge because it's unstable ground. And he suggested that there might there might be something in the idea of not having any barrier at all and, and thus giving you the responsibility for your own life. Yes. So, so yeah, yeah, interesting no, topic. Yeah, no, absolutely. The way people self-regulate. Um, I was talking to a Parks and Wildlife man here. Uh, there's a lot of... Um, uh, 100 meter sea cliffs here in Tasmania, and it's the yeah. same. There are bushes that go, bushwalk tracks that go quite close to the top. And and I said to him, I said, oh, why don't you put up barriers? He said, Well, if you put up barriers, it encourages people to 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 go right up to the edge and lean over. Um, yeah. If you if you leave nothing there, we tend to self-regulate better. Yeah. Yeah. So, but that's a, that's a whole other podcast. Uh, <laughs> Let's talk about yeah. you can talk about pedestrianized roads and all sorts <laughs> yeah so the second question and then i've only got one more after that which is if you could go back again is there anything that you would do differently uh look no um me personally no i i'd be happy to do it again my wife did the rafting she has done a little bit of paddling but not much but she would have been a lot happier actually paddling a raft and she was a, just a, she was a passenger we didn't have a paddling raft on our trip if that makes sense so all the raft passengers were just passengers uh so if there was something we were going to do differently we would definitely have a paddling raft uh so that because i think people just sitting and, and being a passenger is okay but if you're actually paddling and propelling the boat yourself you know it's 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 a big part of your experience and adventure um yeah not everybody wants to do that but i think you know it'd be a bit like doing a bushwalk and 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 someone's carrying you instead of you putting in the effort and and doing it yourself yeah yeah that'd be be anything i'd do differently and last question which is if you could relive one moment from the trip, what moment would that be? Uh, yeah, just just those the moments where you you're relaxed, you're confident, you're in your kayak, and you're paddling through huge waves. Uh, yeah, it's it's exciting, it's satisfying, you know. It, um, I'd happily relive that. Yeah, I bet yeah, you would. It's not. There's there was at least one of those every day, so not one moment. Oh, wow, several moments. That's crazy. Well, listen, Peter, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast and chatting to us about kayaking in the Grand Canyon. Yeah, I hope I've inspired a couple of people to maybe do it one day. If you did enjoy that episode, then please subscribe, follow and share it with a friend so that we can spread the love and spread the excitement. Let me know as well. Email me btmtravelpod at gmail.com. There's the link in the description and also a link to join in with the community and to join in on social media as well. I hope to hear from you soon. See you in the next episode and have a great day.